Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. It seems like you know ball the way you talk, so... Thank you. Someone clip that. I'm not playing in your league unless I can draft myself. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. You have turntable on the seat. With Matt Harmon. Last night at the bar we were at, I had some really bad queso. I've never had no bad queso, really. Because I know there's some guys that are like, oh, no, you know, I'm sticking to my diet. Well, I'm going to plan. I'm going to plan to make sure that I can have a plate. It's Monday, December 12th, and the week 14 by Apocalypse was almost as ugly as we thought it possibly could have been. But there are still plenty of awesome electric things to talk about from what I think was a a, a sneaky, maybe not good, but sneaky, fascinating Sunday of football. Here to recap all of that with me during Sunday Night Football so that we can both not be online during the great take bowl of the 2022 season. We will recap Sunday Night Football later in the week, but won't be doing that here. Joining me to do all that is the great, the wonderful, the fantastic, the red hot, against the spread picker, Scott Pianowski. Scott, what's going on, buddy? Wow, what a great intro, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, the picks went 4-1. Uh, only the Denver under, which had been so good to us. Uh, that game oh. blew way over. Russell Wilson <laughs> had the game of his season before he got injured. But I thought it was a fun day. Uh, it's, it, you never know what you're going to get when six teams don't play. And I know a lot of fancy managers had to maybe dig deep to play some talent you normally wouldn't tap on their shoulder a lot of people you're playing for a buy this week or you're trying to get into the playoffs maybe you're in win the rest of the season mode thought for the most part a a lot of matchups that look good on paper came through i mean there's always going to be some trolling always going to be some injuries you know this is going to be some stuff we can't answer right now but this was and look i always feel like my fantasy teams or my picks do well on a given week but it's hard to have them both do well at the same time it's kind of you it's kind of you go golfing right someday you hit the ball well off the tee you don't putt well blah 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 but um personally i thought this was a good day and i thought a lot of stuff that you could have gotten to beforehand came through so looking forward to talking about it i always say every week is weird in its own way so let's get to the weirdness yeah we're going to discuss all of that weirdness again except the sunday night game uh it featured 10 games this Sunday, 20 teams and 29 quarterbacks, according to Lord Podcast. Uh, Lord Podcast. That is 20, 29 quarterbacks for 20 teams. Uh, that lets you know a lot of weird stuff went down. So let's get right into I de- it. I demand we need a Lord Podcast stat of the week. You know, I want jo- I want John Gennaro, the great John Gennaro, uh, Lord of. Also, if you need San Diego recommendations for like restaurants or, you know, theater. Or, Can confirm. You know, where to, yes. where to walk your that. dog or whatever. He's the man. Um, also, he puts out a really snappy Christmas card. So oh much love to yeah. Lord Podcast. 
the the Gennaro Christmas card was an absolute heater to get uh, this week. Incredible stuff. Shout out to Lord Podcast, who's absolutely crushing it on the show this year. All right, Scott. On to the, onto the business at hand here. Lions Football. 34, Vikings 23. Jared Goff stays hot. I got a lot of thoughts on this game, Scott, but I'm curious what your big takeaways were. Uh, Vegas was right that the Lions should have been favored. Yeah, I, I actually took Minnesota in this game and hated myself for it. And it just felt like Detroit, the, as the game played out, it just the whole day, it's like, yeah, Detroit's the right side. I wish we could pick playoff teams on merit. It could be like, I mean, well, I, actually, I don't want that, but I just every once in a while, there'll be a team that I wish would make the playoffs that won't, and there'll be teams that will make the playoffs that I don't want in there. I feel like the Lions are better than the Giants. I feel like the Lions are better than the Commanders, and I'd rather see them in the tournament. I'd give them a puncher's chance against anybody. Yeah. I mean, I know we everybody knew that Minnesota wasn't the 10-2 and two team. They don't match up metrically, open up the hood and everything. Somehow Kirk Cousins is having this mediocre season despite having Justin Jefferson, just a you know, weekly detonation, and he was terrific today. But I really like the Lions. Now, that said, this was not a fun Lions fantasy day. When, when, you, when I tell you, hey, 34 points and golf was great, you're like, okay, great. Who, who else is here? Where's the weekly Jamal Williams touchdown? Well, that didn't happen. What about DeAndre Swift, who broke my SAT question joke last week? Well, he went back to being... 10 touch or 9 touch, whatever it was, DeAndre Swift. I don't think I missed an injury there. The running touchdown goes to Justin Jackson. DJ Chark was a proactive play for a lot of people, so kudos on that. I'd like to see a little bit more touchdown equity for the sun god. Although, how are we going to say anything bad about St. Brown? He's just a god. Yeah. Bottom line, Lions. And then they, look, this team, Cook, Dalvin Cook gets in the end zone. So that bails out his day with that deodorant, but they stuffed him into a pretzel. Long run of five yards, 15 for 23. This Lions running defense, this is the sneaky thing about this team, right? Because, you know, Goff's been better than expected. They have flashy skill guys. Both sides of the line of scrimmage, they have a really good offensive line, and they've stuffed the run for about four or five weeks now. The the days of, oh, great, my running back's up against the Lions. He's going to go crazy. That's out the window. You may throw the ball on them, and obviously Jefferson, you know, put on a clinic you could spend the next month probably breaking down what jefferson did today what a great player no breaking news there the lions stuff the lions will shut you down in the run i didn't and that they're controlling the line of scrimmage on both sides i I think they're one of the five or six best teams in the nfc i don't think the schedule is going to let them get in the playoffs but i'm enjoying the season man I, i i feel sad i know they were the hard knocks team before the season. I wish they were, the whole season was documented. I think this is a really fun, watchable team. And, and today was a little fantasy trollish, but usually a fantasy fun team as well. Yeah. I'm shout out to Lord podcast again for putting this game first on the rundown. Cause there's so many like strings and, and webs to come off of this game for, for takeaways starting, I think first uh, with what you said, like faint, like a fantasy troll game, you know, a lot of the guys that we don't think are going to get in the end zone. Although DJ Turk was a guy I did say that you could play like proactively during like this bye week mess because he'd been getting a lot of usage. He'd been getting, but for the most part, yeah, it's like Chark, you know, Reynolds, Jamison Williams. However, Scott, I would argue that, well, sure, we want Swift, we want St. Brown, we want uh, Jamal Williams. The fact that, like, there's three dudes you can reasonably expect to have big games in this offense, those three guys I just mentioned, and then they have ancillary players like DJ Chark, like their first-round pick, Jamison Williams, coming on. Even Josh Reynolds, like, Josh Reynolds is their fourth-best wide receiver, and he's a pretty good player. Like, he's he's a fine rotational player that whenever he pops in, whenever he's with Jared Goff, Josh Reynolds is, like, a pretty good wide receiver, sneakily enough. Like, he's a respectable NFL player at the position. The fact that they have all those guys, I think, just shows they've got a 
like a damn good wide receiver room. And they have these running backs that are players too. And this all comes back to golf for me, because I know I've made this point on the podcast for the last week, the amount of like weird Jared golf discourse on Twitter, like, Oh, we need to have a conversation with how Jared golf is playing. Like, no, we don't because it's not surprising that golf is playing well in this environment, because not only do we have all of these good pass catchers, we have good running backs, but the offensive line, like you mentioned, that's been a foundation point of the team where they have invested resources. Like Jared golf, is not some bum who is going to sink any team he's on. He's a guy who rides with the wave of the team. And right now, like the wave and the momentum of the Detroit Lions on both sides of the ball, but especially on offense from the front line to the guys at the skill position room is really good. So yeah, Jared Goff is basically being exactly who Jared Goff is, which is like a league average starting quarterback that can support a bunch of guys in fantasy. Like I, I just don't understand why this is shocking to anybody involved I guess again I think it comes back to the way the Rams dumped him so hard but I think you might agree with that like it, but to me it's not surprising that the Lions are playing well or that Jared Goff is riding this momentum right now well said I'll co-sign everything you said also you know they target 11 guys in this game and I know that can be frustrating for fantasy when I mean, you look at Minnesota's target distribution it's like oh great you know they're peppering Jefferson and then Hawkinson and Thielen were proactively thrown to if you even needed to go as deep as KJ Osborne during this bye week he gets in the end zone so you might say oh no you know, what's Detroit doing targeting 11 guys when I see Jared Goff targeting 11 guys that tells me he's throwing to secondary and tertiary options that means he trusts his offensive line he's holding on to the ball to let plays develop and everything isn't the you know the first read's covered fine. I have time to hit the second guy, the third guy. That to me is actually a feature, not a bug. Even if it takes a little bit of the fantasy juice out of the tube, sometimes Jared Goff. What was he first, second pick overall in his class? First I overall pick. Which, yep. Yeah, right. I, I knew he was one or the other. Perfect is the enemy of good. He's not a great player. He's not an MVP. Yes, he went to a Super Bowl with the Rams, and he didn't play well in that game. Brandon Cooks was wide open. He threw the ball like twenty minutes late. Would have been a game-changing play. But you called him league average. I think he's at least league average. I think he might have been just like an eyelash above it. Like somebody who I'd expect his metrics, his index metrics to all be like 103 or 105 or 100 is league average. And it puts the Lions in an interesting position because it's like, remember they they fired Jim Caldwell, right? Who went like 9-7 and seven or 10-6 and six there, which would get you a, a statue in a parade in Detroit. But they thought, well, we have championship aspirations. We don't think he's we're the, he's the guy to get us there. And then since then, they've pretty much had lousy teams. Are you better off being competitive, quasi-competitive, being like in the mix for like that seven seed or six seed in the playoffs year after year with Goff? Or do you have to be like, well, he's not really the answer. I mean, I, I don't know if they view Goff as a destination for three or four more years or if they think, no, we have to actually swing higher because he's not a franchise guy. He's just more of a placeholder. Yeah, I think it's a great question. I think it will be the question uh, of the Lions offseason. And they, I think they can sort of like sit the fence right now, like sit on both sides of it, because they're going to end up with a top five pick, not because of their own you know, misgivings, but because of, <laughs> Thank the, you, because Los of, Angeles. Yeah, because of the L.A. Rams are going to end up with a top five pick like they could take a rookie quarterback while still having Jared Goff around. Um now we've seen teams. Wait, wait, I hate to hear you dismiss the idea that Baker Mayfield's going to lead the Rams on like a five game winning streak. Are you are you just discounting that out of hand? My God, I mean, yes. <laughs> I still can't believe that happened. That that I, was, that was Thursday night, which is like you know feels like three weeks ago, right? Baker yeah. Mayfield led a two touchdown comeback, including a ninety eight yard drive. I mean, what were the odds of that happening, man? And I feel so bad for anybody who ripped up a Raiders chat. A lot of people bet the Raiders like money line, or they teased the Raiders. All they needed was the Raiders to win. 
And the whole time they have this horrible feeling in the stomach. Am I really going to lose because Baker Mayfield is going to, who just joined the team 10 seconds ago, throwing to some guys who should be on the practice squad? I, I just, I know, I know this isn't a Thursday wrap podcast. <laughs> I know, but, but I feel like I just need this on the show somewhere because I still can't believe that happened. It was th- one of the most insane things I've ever seen. And obviously, like we say at the top of the show, every week in the NFL is a weird week. Every week is insane. All kinds of crazy stuff is consistently happening. But that Baker Mayfield like drive to win the game, and you know that was a game too that I almost said like, you know what, I'm not going to watch this. Like I'm gonna I'm gonna skip out on the second half of this game because uh, I-, I got real life stuff to do. Well, uh, I didn't, and uh, did end up watching it, and, and I'm glad I did. Um, but yeah, the Jared Goff thing, like, interestingly enough, like we've seen te- like the Browns, by the way, are one team where we'll talk about Deshaun Watson later in this there with Baker Mayfield. Like they looked at him and said, OK, he can get us to this point, but he can't get us to the next point. So they ditched him. They go give up a boatload of picks for Deshaun Watson. The four in a, in a less nefarious situation, the 49ers did the same thing with Jimmy Garoppolo. They look at Jimmy and they said he can get us to this point, but he can't get us to the next point. We're going to give a boatload of draft picks to to get to Trey Lance. So, uh, and he's going to be the guy that gets us to the next point. And the Rams obviously did the same thing with Jared Goff. And and they got to that point with Matthew Stafford. You know, some like, do was it really because of Matthew Stafford? I don't know. I think a lot of things broke right for the LA Rams. A lot of things have to break right for you to win the Super Bowl. Now, Jared Goff, I think they're like, I don't mean to sit here and spend the next 30 minutes talking about Jared Goff, but I think it will be a really fascinating point, point in the offseason. I could kind of see both sides of the argument because, yeah, I think there is a cap on Jared Goff. Like, He's, he's never going to be that guy. He's he's still a guy that defenses, like really good defenses, can take to the woodshed on third down and high leverage situations like that. He's not going to ever create what's not there. And I do wonder, like, if Ben Johnson gets hired as a head coach this offseason because he's just pitching heaters as the Lions offensive coordinator right now, will Goff flounder because of that? But for right now, the rest of this season, and however long Jared Goff is the starting quarterback of this team, with these guys around him and Ben Johnson as the offensive coordinator, it's a great setup for the Lions here. I apologize. We've talked 35 minutes on the Lions. I'll just make it 35 <laughs> minutes and 10 seconds. The only killjoy here is they have the Jets in New York next yeah, week. So it's oh, a nasty man. defense, and, and maybe even the weather could play a factor then. But then they go to Carolina. Carolina's defense is okay, but nothing that you're not going to play guys that you like. And then if you can get to the final, you get the Bears at home, New Year's Day. You know, get get your popcorn ready. Because I'll tell you right now, the Lions are putting up 38 points that day, maybe maybe 40-plus. I can see it. Uh, last note on the Vikings, it's kind of funny. And just, I think, a, another, like, lasting takeaway from this game. It's kind of funny that, you know, there was at least some rumblings about, hey, remember when the when – Justin Jefferson was held to 16 yards by the Detroit Lions in week three. Well, he goes for 200 in this one. So it'll make the season versus stats uh, against the Lions look good for uh, Jared Go- or for for Justin Jefferson there. Excuse me. But um, just a reminder that teams change drastically throughout the course of the season. Uh, and, you know, the damn Lions don't even have the same defensive backs coach as they did because they fired Aubrey Pleasant after that uh, or, or, well, several weeks into the season. So just a reminder there that sometimes these, like, team versus splits aren't always super instructive there. I also give them credit for Hawkinson's been booted up pretty quickly for the Vikings, although his best game, he still is the tight end leader for the season and, and for the best fantasy game, the game he posted against Seattle when he was still on the Lions. But He's been generally more consistent with Minnesota. Yeah. I give the Vikings credit for that. You know, the Vikings, man, I, you know, I, I their record again, they weren't a 10 and 2 team. Nobody believed it. So no, yeah. it's it's somewhat satisfying just to see them. You know, look, they're the best team in that division, you know, by default. I mean, everybody else is in some sort of rebuild, even if the Packers may not admit it. But 
it's I guess it's just kind of nice to see water find its true level, and that was this result. Uh, you know, the Lions' favorite in this game, even though they had a losing record. So, um, sad, even though I didn't pick this game right, I, I felt dumb for. I knew that was dumb fifteen minutes into the game, but <laughs> it's satisfying when we see things the way we perceive them. The records start to actually get closer to that. All right, another divisional game here for our next one: Jaguars thirty-six, Titans twenty-two. This this was a an outcome I did not expect, Scott. Yeah, um, this is one I did expect, uh, maybe not to this level, but the Jaguars go up against Tennessee, funnel defense, right? What does that mean? They stuff the run. They can't stop the pass. Trevor Lawrence, I I guess he missed a couple days of practice because of his toe injury. He looked great. He was mobile. He was accurate. They did such a great job scheming Ingram open all day. I think he had the third, the third best tight end game of the year. Again, Hawkinson's still the number one guy on that board. I tweeted that a couple hours ago, but that's we taped this on Sunday night, but Lawrence, you watch the, the tape, and it's it's a mix of a lot of the throws. A lot of the wins are design wins. A lot of the guys were wide open, but he also had contested throws with tight windows he was hitting. He made some plays out of structure, was mobile, you know, whether it was scrambling to hit somebody downfield. They had a design run at the goal line where he punched it in. Got a little bit lucky, too. He underthrew a pass to Zay Jones. It easily could have been an interception. It turned into a touchdown. Of course, Zay Jones being Zay Jones, he also had a bad drop. Oh, yeah. But the bo- <laughs> The full line is this was the full Zay experience in this game. Yes, Zay got Zay gave you all the porridge. You checked all the boxes. But <laughs> here's the bottom line, you know. And I wrote this in my booms and bust piece. You know, Trevor Lawrence drafted number one, that famous 2021 quarterback class, and we're just we went so thirsty. You know, we just want a sip of water yeah. you know, to, to be satisfied. And it's like, well, Trey Lance is hurt again, and Zach Wilson's a mess, and. We don't like the help pieces in Chicago. So even though Justin Fields is an unbelievable athlete, is he really progressing as a thrower? And I would just love Trevor Lawrence to be great. Not that I'm a Jaguars fan. I, I just football's better when the quarterbacks play well. And when you get a guy who's supposed to be like I don't know how generational really Lawrence was. Maybe he's just like the best quarterback prospect to come yeah. around every couple of years. I mean, this next class that's coming out looks really good. I mean, if you don't get excited watching Caleb Williams play, something's wrong with you. You should go see your doctor. But <laughs> it's, the comeback win against Baltimore was great. He played poorly against Detroit. That was a killjoy. Jacksonville did not, you know, back up their success well. But then today against a good Titans team, again, a bad pass defense. Again, Engram was wide open on some of these plays. So the design was really good. But it's just nice where you can say, oh, well, Evan Ingram going to Doug Peterson, a, a tight end center coach, and that really popped today. And, and Lawrence was great. And Zay Jones was good. And, yeah. you know, Kirk didn't have his best game. The thing I can't – the one thing I can't figure out with this team, when Travis Etienne came out of college, it's not that I thought he was going to be Marshall Falk or LaDainian Tomlinson or just you know, some monster receiving threat, but I thought he'd be a 50-catch-a-year guy. And they're making no attempt to do it. I don't think he was even targeted today. So they just don't – and obviously him and Lawrence have familiarity. I know with you know, the running backs catching passes, it's not quite as intricate as the the guys who work downfield. But I guess they've decided that he's not – either they like their receivers and their tight ends or they don't think ETN is really the answer there. But I, I thought he'd be a player who would augment his fantasy value through the passing game. That hasn't happened at all. Yeah, a couple theories on that. One, I think that Trevor Lawrence has been a bit more of a big game hunter than expected like he does want to attack down the field which by the way every time Zay Jones like has one of these games you know where even if he's productive or whatever my only takeaway is yeah that's nice I can't wait to see what like Calvin Ridley does with this Jaguars team next year if 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 he makes his way back on the field and I hope he does uh that would be really awesome to see but just on the ETN thing as, as a standalone guy there was a lot of like 
you know, guys who grind running back film and are really good at it, you know, like Matt Waldman, I've seen Jay Moyer make this point too, that he, while he had beefy production, like as a receiver in college, he was not like a natural receiver. He had some issues from like the nuance side of it. Like his hands weren't great, whatever. So I don't know, maybe that has been an issue that the Jacksonville Jaguars coaching staff agrees with as, as well. Uh, that would be my only theory on it. Cause yeah, I, I definitely thought he would be like at least DeAndre Swiftish, right? Like, uh, it, you know, in like when you think DeAndre Swift is going to have those big games, stuff like that, you think they're going to come through the air. ETN has not been that at all. And so when he's inefficient as a rusher, as he was today, you know, and this is a great run defense too, by the way, their pass defense, obviously super gettable, which is just great to see Trevor Lawrence get, get a gettable matchup when ETN doesn't hit against a big time run defense like this. You get 17 carries for 32 yards and like no floor from your fantasy um, player there. On on the Titans side of this, Scott, I know we talked about Derrick Henry a little bit this morning on Fantasy Football Live, and I mean, he was coming in ice cold to this game. 2.8 yards per carry his last four games. He'd gone under 40 yards in three of his last four. He fumbles a couple times in this game, but I was really encouraged that we got 121 yards and a touchdown, 17 carries. We got the 34 yards through the air because what we, what we said on, on Fantasy Football Live this morning is true. You know, next year, we'll see what happens, but he has absolute cakewalk matchups to end this year. And, and if you've been a little irritated with Derrick Henry's production of late, I guess you can sit here now and say, all right, the fact that he had this game against Jacksonville, I feel much, much better about him potentially coming out here and crushing it against get cupcakes like the Texans and Chargers the next few weeks. Yeah, that's I, I did a piece last week about the fantasy schedules for running backs. And the first thing is like, where are the Chargers? Where are the Texans? Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, Houston's, <laughs> the worst, Houston's the worst team in football. The Chargers Part of it is injuries. Part of it is talent. Part of it is just they want to defend the pass anyway. They're kind of conceited. They're a little bit like those Colts teams with Peyton Manning where it's like, yeah, we'll give you the run. Try to have a 15-play drive against us. The problem is just everybody runs all over them. It's, it's, yeah. it's ugly. And their pass defense glad, stinks too, by the way. A lot of yeah. injuries, but still, yeah, that's another problem. Just to balance it out, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, I had them going to the Super Bowl. They're not going to the Super Bowl. Um Frustrate chargers frustrate me. Uh, I, yeah. I I don't know. I, I I'm kind of glad they're they're not on our slate today because even though I'm looking forward to catching up with Miami and the Chargers when we finish this show, I have a feeling the Chargers will end up frustrating me by the end of that game. So dear well, listener, they're off to a frustrating start. I'll give you that spoiler alert. <laughs> you know, I would have kicked that field goal on that. I know the analytics say, <laughs> yeah. you know, you you, the, you get the points in your back pocket. I don't know. Take the lead. It's, maybe every, also every, DeAndre Carter, maybe stay on your feet. But again, we don't want to break that game down. But yeah, frustrating frustrating so yeah derrick henry big game today breaks up the 50-yard run i'm so glad and you know we talked about etn not getting the work in the passing game i've always said there's no reason why derrick henry can't catch two to four passes a game you know just let him be tackled by the lesser players not, not the lesser players but the smaller guys by the cornerbacks and not the big beef up front and save a little wear and tear on the guy and i it, yeah, nice to see that. Uh, the schedule is just a daisy with the Chargers, Texans, whatever. If you have to deal with the Cowboys in championship week, but what, if you get that far, you'll, you'll figure it out. It's just next year. I don't want to draft him. And we did yeah. put out that clip. And please don't come at don't come at me, Twitter bros. Like, oh, you're just Derrick Henry. Oh, yeah, you're just making him mad. And I'll, I'll go tweet to Derrick Henry and tell him that I'm his buddy. And no, no. Derrick Henry's awesome. I think he's a Hall of Famer already, or really darn close to it. And I I said on the, the spot – on, and it's it's on Yahoo now, and it was on the show this morning. It's no fun to think fantasy football like an actuary, right? You know, the actuaries tell you oh, how long you're going to live, how much life insurance do you need. Those, those aren't fun things to talk about. No. But we have to be practical. We have to be pragmatic. And Derrick Henry, between usage, between his age, and 
just the trajectory of his career, it's a really dangerous spot. I'm not going to draft him next year, but right now I'm petrified. I haven't looked ahead, but I'm petrified that like my playoff teams are going to be up against Derrick Henry in the next couple know, of weeks because you, yeah. he could have like a 229 and three game coming against one of these cupcakes, and he probably will. And yet, I, they can't. I can't wait to see what the prop lines are going to be on him. They're good, like against the Texans, it's going to be like 115 yards or something, like something obscene, and he'll probably beat it in the first half. Last thing on this game, uh, Chago Conquo in the yeah. circle of trust now officially after another big game here. For sure. Um, it, it helped that they didn't have Burks, not not to help mm. the Titans, but it helped the tight end. So they went with the tight end centric offense. Austin Hooper had a good game. Oconqua had a, had a good game. And uh, my friend Jake Seeley brought out my, my favorite line. You know who liked Oconqua this week? Everybody. Well, you know, six, six <laughs> yeah, for 45 and a touchdown, man. He's probably like tight end six <laughs> off that line. So he can play. And if yeah. you don't know how to say his name, he'll he'll tell you on Twitter. But I know that's. I think cool. the tight. I think the Titans are in trouble. But yeah, uh, Derrick Henry's going to get you there, and you know they have even Hooper. If you're in a deeper league, I mean, they're going to target him five, six times a game. That's something. I, I, I know if you're scraping a tight end, if you, I, I pray that we get Dallas Goddard back next week. Man, do I need him on a couple of teams? But this is an offense that actually likes to use its tight end. and how It's not that common. We're happy when a team puts one tight end into relevance. This team actually gave us two guys who might finish as top 12 tight ends this week. That shows you how ugly their receiver room is when Burks doesn't play. This is another guy, man. I hope he can get back next week as he was starting to spread his wings. We talked so much about the rookie receivers, how it's you know slow-developing photo, but you love these guys in the second half of a year, and Burks was really getting cooking before he got hurt last week. But, you know, Conquer can play. And he's the type of guy that I can see Tannehill having a rapport with. I'm not surprised he's been productive the last two weeks. You mentioned Dallas Goddard just a bit ago. Man, uh, let's talk about his Eagles here who just feel totally unfair right now. Eagles 48, Giants 22. Um, at no point did it feel like this game was ever in doubt. By the way, like leading up to the game and during the game too. It was just like the Eagles are a much, much better team. And it starts with... Uh, this offense is just, it's stupid, okay? Because Jalen Hurts is an unbelievable rusher. He's been great as a passer. I think he's got a 1A, 1B receiver duo. Like, Devontae Smith is that good. And then the running game is ridiculous with Miles Sanders behind that offensive line, Scott. The Eagles, and they're, and we love it. We, and we talk about it every Sunday. I feel like we talk about how nice and tidy this team is. Yeah, all the guys get home, right? Yeah. Every Eagle you wanted to play scored. Which is just hard to do when you when you have this four guys we want to play. They all got in the box, and I feel like they could have scored as many points as they want. They even played their main guys deep into this game. So I, the and perf, perfect offensive line. The scheme's really working. Hertz has gotten so much better as a passer. Now running is something he can do, but it's not the centerpiece of what he does, which is the ideal what you want. On the flip side, man, I am so worried about Saquon Barkley. I, I, I too. don't. Yeah. I don't think the Giants should resign him. I don't know what they'll do. And and I get it. The offensive the offensive line is awful. You know, there's no holes for Barkley, but I don't see any explosiveness. I don't see him taking at some point a talented running back. Like you see, Henry did it today a couple of times where you see a play and it looks like it's a two yard gain and he makes it like a nine yard gain. I don't see those runs from Barkley right now. And And he's so banged up too, man. He's so so banged up. But also, you know, when you know your blocking stinks. 
it's just going to be, it, gonna, it has to affect your confidence that you feel like so the moment you get the ball, you're going to have to make somebody miss in like a half second. You know, I, right. it's going to wreck your your flow as a runner. You know, you, you need some time to breathe and, and to let the game kind of come to you. And I, I think Barkley's struggling with his confidence right now because he has no confidence in his offensive line. I think this is a, a different position. But I think about Matthew Stafford when he was still playing. Yeah. He didn't trust his body. He didn't trust his offensive line. He didn't trust his receivers. And he played like all those things were in his mind snap to snap that's kind of what Barkley reminds me of right now and man the Giants I mean God love you if you had to play Richie James I had to play him on one team I feel really lucky to get a touchdown <laughs> only three targets for Darius Slayton that was frustrating but we, nobody the Giants are kind of like the poor man's Vikings right I mean nobody really thinks they're a playoff team nobody really wants to see them in the playoffs except for diehard Giant, Giants fans both off both the offensive line and the defensive line are getting pushed around right now and this is a team I think you want you want your fantasy players up against the Giants the next three weeks. I think you're right about that. Um, Barkley's a tough one. I, I don't know how the Giants will handle that in the future because he has been the heart and soul of the team, uh, and he and that's a tough message to send to the locker room if you just don't re-sign him. But putting that aside, I definitely – like. and your point about like the confidence in, in the blocking and the fact that he knows that guys are going to be swarming him the second he gets the ball because they have no receiver threats, I'm sure that's a part of the mental uh, calculus for a guy like Saquon Barkley right now. And, you know, I bring this up uh, on the show a decent bit, but he did say a couple weeks ago when asked, like, oh, are you playing through injuries? Are you playing hurt? He's like, no, I'm just playing poorly. And I think part of that can be what we're talking about here. Like, for a running back, that is, if you're not trusting what – what's in front of you or you're, you're thinking too much about it, that can be a part of, of quote, playing poorly. So I think that's all part of the, the situation for Barkley here. And I agree with your point about the defense too, that they are a, you know, we know that Wink Martindale is a live by the sword, die by the sword type of guy. He hasn't like been sending as aggressive blitzes uh, of late. Cause I think, he knows the personnel is not great over there, but they get the commanders, the Vikings, the Colts and the Eagles, the rest of the season. Um, I think there's some, there's some spots there where like, when you still play this much man coverage and you go against great receivers, Terry McLaurin, great receiver, Justin Jefferson, great receiver. I mean, the Colts, they have Michael Pittman and, and a bunch of other guys. And like, we'll see that's kind of hit or miss there, but big time receivers can get over on this team because of the way they play defense right now. 538 has them at a 44% chance to make the playoffs. I don't, I don't know. That feels, that feels general. I got, yeah, the lions are 23%. I'd love to see the lions of the playoffs more than I'd love to see the giants right now. Me too. And they're all, again, they're also getting pushed on the line of scrimmage. And I'll give you tomorrow's headlines today. Uh, Brian Robinson will break 100 yards on Sunday Night Football next week against the Giants. Oh, Dalvin Cook will have I 168 so. <laughs> yards and two touchdowns the week after that. And then if you can get to the championship game, Jonathan Taylor will have his best game of the season against the Giants in week 17. Scott, if Brian Robinson does that, uh, uh, let me just put it this way. All my teams that are left, uh, I'm, I'm going to be a very, very happy man. Uh, I'm be very very happy if, if uh, Brian Robinson crushed the Giants. Oh, hey, but, you know, I'm just I'm just out here. You know, I'm sticking predictions, man. It's been uh, it's been a good year for that. So I want you to bet some Brian Robinson props next week. There we go. We love to see it. Uh, all right, next game up here: Bills twenty, Jets twelve. Man, this was one of those games that like we talked about it on on Fantasy Football Live again this morning, where. Uh, well, not me and you, but me, Tank, and Andy talked about it as like a, a big-time fantasy game. And I brought up the point, I was like, I'm not sure this is going to be a big-time fantasy game because we know the Bills' defense is pretty good. And damn, I mean, you know, the Bills win with 20 points here. It was 0-0 for a long time because the Jets' defense can absolutely get after it. I've got a couple thoughts on this game, Scott, but on the Jets' side of it, man, it sort of starts with, 
I can't. I know the Jets want to go to the playoffs and like they they want to. They're a winning team. They should want to again. Five thirty eight still has them at a forty one percent chance to make the playoffs. I consider this season a success just because they've been this impressive with all of the injuries they su- they've sustained and they sustained some big ones in this game. You know, Corey Davis left the game. Quinn and Williams, who's been a stud this year, left the game. Mike White had to go to the freaking hospital after the game because he was I saw Nate Tice from the Athletics say at one point he got turned Mike White got turned into a C. He got sit so, hit so hard. So, I mean, it was just a, a rough game, a physical game from a defensive perspective. And, and man, I just wish the Jets would stop sustaining injuries to like their best players. That'd be great. Yeah, 20 to 12 final. This felt like 7 to 6. It did. This, fe- really this felt did. like this felt like the Raiders and the Steelers playing when, you know, pass interference was basically legal. And the, the Jets they have to feel like they really let a golden opportunity go. I mean, the Bills only had 232 yards of offense or something like that. The the Jets basically stole Buffalo's lunch money in both of their meetings. They just didn't win the game today because the Buffalo defense was great too. So a, a total kill Joe for, for fantasy. If you needed Josh Allen, I mean, at least you got the running touchdown. You bailed out there. But every other, I mean, God love you if you had Dawson Knox. I, I gave up on Dawson Knox a long time ago. But I, it's I can I have Dawson Knox and Greg Dulcich like platooning on a, a on a stupid amount of teams. I never guess. I always right. guess wrong. You Every always guess wrong. Every week yeah. I guess <laughs> it wrong. I mean, Those oh are, my god! I knew where that was going. Yeah, Whenever you yeah. have two guys like that, it's it's they will play in concert, and you will always be out never of step get with it. Right. No, granted, I mean the, the this Jets defense, man, and, and this is why it's 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 a little frustrating that the Lions get the Jets next week because even though I do like the the Lions offense and their infrastructure, to use one of your words, the Jets def- the, the Jets defense is at least top five. It, it might be like the second or third best defense in the league, and I yeah. love their swagger. I love their physicality, and I would love to see this team in the playoffs. It's they're gonna. I think what's gonna happen is they're gonna look back and think, man, we could have won that Buffalo game, and somehow we lost to the Patriots uh, the, because you know Zach Wilson played horrible in that second game. The Patriots yeah. won the kickback. But they should have at least split with the Patriots, maybe even beaten them twice. But Jets are good. They're physical, and, and they fear nobody. And, you know, I got to give them credit because teams don't do this a lot. Zonovan Knight, they saw something in Bam Knight, and he was unveiled in a week, a few weeks ago, where they just said, okay, James Robinson, you're not playing today. It wasn't an injury. It wasn't a desperation move. It wasn't something they were forced into. They identified something in practice. And I know teams don't practice the way they used to, and they don't really hit and stuff like that. But they identified a player who was better than somebody they traded for. It would have been very easy to say, we traded for James Robinson. We have to have the Adawin effect. We have to treat it like he's an important guy on our roster. Yeah. And I don't mean the just James Robinson, but the Jets, I give them credit for recognizing that Knight's a better player, even when Michael Carter comes yeah, back. Yeah, shoot, playing him over Carter. Yeah. You know, he gets, you know, Knight's the featured guy. And, you know, look, 17 for 71, a touchdown. I don't mean to throw a parade for that, but the Bills defense is really good. I just, I credit the Jets that, you know, they were going to lose the locker room, I think, if they didn't bench Zach Wilson. I mean, Mike White is is a player. He's got a little of that um, Brian Fitzpatrick in him that you, know, you see him on the on the right day and, and you want to like say, oh, you know, this could work out for a long term. You see him on the wrong day and you're like, yeah, well, he's you know kind of like a high-end backup or a low-end starter. He's better than Zach Wilson for this team. But I just like the fact that the Jets recognize that it would have been e- really easy to say, well, we can't bench Zach Wilson because he's we've drafted him so highly. Or we can't bench Jay Robinson because we traded something for him. Or we can't bench Michael Carter because he's the veteran. They're just playing their best freaking guys. And I yeah. wish every team would do that. Yeah, and, and you know the fact that Elijah Moore has been back in the mix for the Jets, it's like that situation has been resolved. That's great to see. We know Garrett Wilson is a superstar. 
you know, you, you mentioned Dawson Knox, and obviously, yeah, I, I can't get that situation right. One thing I and I don't want to overreact to the fact that the Jets' defense is just really, really good, as we've said a couple of times here. But in my care don't care recap column, I'm just gonna put for the don't care section. Like, I don't care about these Bills ancillary players, like besides Stefan Diggs, basically. And Diggs didn't have a big game in this one. We, whatever, we know he's still one of the best in position. But you know, Gabe Davis has gone under 40 yards in seven of his 12 games this year. Um, he's done it for three straight. Uh, and you know, he, his I feel like his upside is is kind of overstated, and his floor is is still ghastly. Isaiah McKenzie, you know, does one does has a big game on Thanksgiving. Pretty much doesn't do much throughout the the rest of the time. Like we all got excited about James Cook, four carries for six yards, one catch for nine yards, and obviously Dawson Knox, he's been up and down as well. Is there any reason to be bullish about any of these Bills guys who aren't Stephon Diggs right now? It's like how do we get here? The Bills are going to be the number one or the number two seed probably in the AFC. Allen will be in the MVP discussion. He won't win it unless everything breaks his way the rest of the season. But somehow they have two fantasy players. And everybody else is, you have to talk yourself into it. Oh, okay. I guess I have to play Gabe Davis. Oh, tight end stinks. I'm playing Dawson Knox. Oh, I don't have the greatest running back room. I'll play Devin Singletary and, and hope it's one of his better games. But, I mean, he has so many, like, six- and seven-point games. James yeah. Cook flashed for a moment. Isaiah McKenzie flashed for a moment. It's just shocking to me that Buffalo could have this successful a season and this little fantasy juice. At one point, I do the the quarterly check-ins for the power rankings for fantasy. I had Buffalo ranked number one at least yeah. once, maybe twice, and it felt justified at the time. And now it's like, okay, yeah, Allen and Diggs, and then you have a bunch of maybe guys. I, I get asked start-sit questions on the Bills every week, and a lot of times I don't pick the Buffalo guy. I pick somebody else. I agree. It's just shocking to me, and it's not – I don't think it's a scheme problem. I, I, I don't know. I, I still think Allen runs the ball a little bit. I think he takes too many hits. I don't want Josh Allen running the ball 10 times. I know there are a couple of kneel downs in there probably, but I still think he takes too many hits. He's obviously the one guy you can't replace. We, we talked about how many different quarterbacks played today. If Buffalo at any point loses Allen, all the air goes out of the balloon. Right. It's just, it's surprising to me. I, you know, I, I feel lucky. I wasn't in on Gabe Davis this year only because the helium got so crazy on him. I just decided I was out. That doesn't mean it was right or wrong. It's just the market pushed me into a place I wasn't comfortable. I'm still surprised he's been this meh. He's been this mediocre. I, I thought he would have had a better season than this, uh, you know, assuming that he hasn't been hurt. I know a couple of weeks he was on the injury report, and then the idea is, well, you need Gabe Davis to be 100%, but yeah, seems 100% now, and he, he was invisible all day, and he's had a lot of invisible games this season. Yeah. I also love, by the way, like... <laughs> Yeah, just I, I think that these guys just aren't as good as as uh, people thought, and and Allen has obviously been playing a little compromised. Um, all right, we got to take a break. When we come back. We've got some other big games uh, to recap on the other side of it. Searching for NBA playoff coverage? We've got you. The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, gives you an inside look into the world of sports. Hosted by former NBA sharpshooter and Duke legend J.J. Redick and sports writer Tommy Alter, The Old Man and the Three offers unprecedented access to the league. Tommy and J.J. discuss the NBA and interview some of the biggest names in the league, like Devin Booker and Luka Doncic. NBA final season is the perfect time to dive in, and you can listen to The Old Man and the Three wherever you get your podcasts. To hear episodes brought to you by BMW. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard. BMW, the ultimate driving machine. All right. Bengals 23, Browns 10. Yeah. Uh, Deshaun Watson, still not good. You know, Scott, obviously we know that the uh, Browns made a pretty 
ruthless calculation that we all would eventually Deshaun Watson would be so good that everybody would just forget and stop talking about, you know, all of the mis sexual misconduct allegations, everything that went on for him. Um, they also made a bet that, hey, their team would be good enough when Deshaun Watson got back that he would just be like the finishing piece and he would help push them to the playoffs. Well, so far, neither of those things has been true. Obviously, I you know, look, no one's sitting here right now on December 11th and saying like Deshaun Watson will never be good again. The book is written on the rest of his career, whatever. But so far, you know, Jacoby Brissett for this Browns team was 11th in EPA per dropback and 6th in completion percentage over expectation. He had been good in his role. The rest of the team wasn't good around him. And Watson has been, I mean way worse he ranks inside the bottom five of both of those efficiency metrics that i just mentioned with jacoby Brissett. so so far not good returns here for deshaun watson and the cleveland browns he can be a really challenging guy to draft uh to rank and to evaluate next year because he'll get the whole off season and he'll probably be a pretty good player next year i, I don't want to draft him for like we all have Everybody has to come to the Deshaun Watson story with their own set of standards and, and how you view fantasy and what's important to you and everything. And I just I can't root for the guy. And I, I don't want to act like he's like the only person who may have done something wrong in the NFL. I mean, there's other people who have yeah, done things they shouldn't do. And there's other stuff that we don't even know about. And of course, there's a lot of good guys, too. There's a lot of people out there doing doing charity work and, and have a sense of the world and everything, trying to use their celebrity for good things. There's a lot of good guys in the NFL. So I don't I don't want to make some overarching statement, but this was satisfying to me that the Bengals played their worst game of the season. That Halloween night, it was their first game without Chase, and they just got trucked. The The Browns hit them with an emotional punch. Uh, probably Jacoby Brissett's best moment of the year, and good for Jacoby Brissett, who's just a really easy guy to like. But uh, this seemed like a, a clear bounce-back spot for the Bengals, who are good. They're one of those teams, they're like B-plus at everything. Chase is, of course, generally great, and, and I think we'd all fall Joe Burrow into a burning building, but the Bengals don't have an obvious weakness. They're good at a lot of different things. I, I could see them going deep in the playoffs again. I give them a puncher's chance against anybody, and it was satisfying to see them beat up Watson and you know, beat him anyway. I don't want Watson to be physically ill, but you know, I, the fact that Watson didn't play great, although even though Watson was bad, but you know, if you needed People's Jones, he got home, and Joku was back on the field in a year where tight end's been so ugly. It's yeah, nice to see nice him to spread see. his wings. But the Bengals to me are a very adoptable team, and I, I want them to go. I want them to win this division. I'd like to see them go deep in the playoffs. I'm such a Burrow guy. I'm such a Chase guy. Mixed him back on the field today. He was pretty good, although uh, P. Ryan. If yeah. you had to play P. Ryan, I don't know how you could have come up with P. Ryan. The, the narrative there is that they don't use two running backs. It's always going to be the Mixon show, but P. Ryan stole a touchdown, so you you, you kind of got a few points out of it. Yeah, I'd, I like I'd, I'd at least posited that theory that like because Samaje P. Ryan was so good, and especially so good in the passing game, which it will never not be weird to me that Samaje P. Ryan, who was the grinder back at Oklahoma, and Mixon was the space back, and it's been completely inverse there in Cincinnati. That will never not be weird to me. But regardless, like he'd been so good in the passing game the last the previous three weeks that he might still have a role. He was on the field for more uh, passing snaps than Joe Mixon this week. He had five targets, like, and obviously it was a good rushing matchup as well. I think that was probably the reason people would have landed on him from a fantasy perspective. But yeah, I just wonder if like if this team looks at Samaje Pirine like as a guy that played really well for them when they were struggling to find an offensive identity and like this might be more of a split going forward than we're used to, which at least this week it was. Also, I'll admit, I, I really thought when the Bengals had injuries in their receiving group that Tyler Boyd would be somebody who would step forward. And sometimes it's been poor play. Sometimes it's been injury. He got hurt today. Yeah, but, he got hurt today. Um, yeah, there's, there's a guy who was really good to me for a few years, and I, I think he's just 
probably near the end of his usefulness, and they might want to upgrade that position going forward. But um, Chase needed to be the lead singer today, and he was. He, he got targeted off the bus. He, huge numbers, double-digit catches, double-digit targets, gets back in the end zone again. And and he's the one guy. This is why we were talking, Charles Robinson, Frank Schwab, and I were talking a little bit on Twitter about when games get out of hand and why don't you? why is so-and-so playing and why is so-and-so playing. And I think every team has to recognize that they have a handful of players. Everybody's important. Right. But some players are more important than others. The quarterback is obviously gigantically important. And a guy like Jamar Chase, anytime the Bengals are in a lopsided game, I just wouldn't want Jamar Chase on the field because when he's not playing, your team is totally different. And we see it today. You know, They didn't have Chase. And Chase isn't the reason they got blown out that night on Halloween. They did a lot of things wrong that night. But having a healthy Jamar Chase means the Bengals could easily win the AFC again. And I'm excited. I hope they can get Higgins back 100% because he's a very I, – I don't yeah. – Sometimes when people like want to diss T Higgins, he's a really good football Great player. player. He's yeah. just the he's just a B plus A minus, where Chase is like an A or an A plus. But you know they're both excellent, and if they're both healthy, I could see the Bengals winning this conference again. A team I'm very excited about. Yeah, and like the T Higgins injury report thing, I know there's you know it's like they have a moral responsibility to put T Higgins on the injury report because like that was the report from the broadcast it was like oh he was. He came into this game injured, but he was not on the final injury report because he got in a full day of practice and blah, 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 blah. It's like, listen to, I would say this now, especially that Austin's been on the show for uh, the, the whole year. Like, listen to him talk about how many different things he's dealing with. And like, that's not on the injury report. Like, I don't know. The, the idea that this is some infallible document is, is insane. Like, by the way, if everybody, if the NFL had to list every little thing that was going wrong with players, every freaking person would be in on the injury report. So it's not this infallible doctrine uh, it, document that we can, like, discern truth from. Nobody um, nobody who plays regularly is anywhere close to 100% yeah, right now. Course. The game is just too physically demanding. Yeah. Acting otherwise is, is just insane. All right. What was insane was the almost lost the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, and almost, <laughs> man, they almost lost the game to the Houston Texans. But all that matters is the final result here for Dallas, 27, uh, Texans 23. They were more than two touchdown underdogs coming to this game, but the Texans managed to pull this thing out uh, from a cover perspective. Yeah, and if you needed Damian Pierce, I, I think Damian Pierce was really hard to play this week. I mean, last week we could at least say, well, okay, the Cleveland rushing defense is terrible. This week, you just worried about – you saw the schedule. It's like, oh, Cowboys are going to get blown out. Chiefs next week, they're going to get blown out. They'll be heavy underdogs probably at Tennessee the following week. Is is it is Damian Pierce hit a wall? Is it, Are they going to walk away from him? And, you know, again, 22 for 78 to touchdown. I'm not throwing a parade for that, but – Got hurt at in least the game he, too, which was at least makes the final for sure. impressive. You know what I got wrong in this game? I, I was I thought Philip Dorsett for some reason over Chris Moore was the pivot with all the receiver injuries. I didn't see the Chris Moore ten for one twenty four coming, which probably <laughs> I, I can't blame you, Scott. <laughs> tell me that that you or Andy or Tank had that on on Sunday. I didn't catch the entire show. I hope one of you guys came up with that. Um, for not sure we mentioned player. the name. Not sure we mentioned no. the name. It was there wasn't a fifteen minute Chris Moore segment. <laughs> no. Okay. No. Well, hey, Ben, 10, 10 catches, 10 tar, 11 targets. And yeah, look, good good for Davis Mills. You know, I I, I never thought his benching made any sense. I, he's not the long-term answer here. They're going to draft early. They're going to take a quarterback. I think we all know that. But They played two quarterbacks in this game. Yeah, right. Yeah, Jeff Driscoll, right. Yeah, three, ends up throwing the touchdown to, to Amari Rogers. There's another troll touchdown for oh you. Oh, my God, yeah. How do we 
how do we spin this for the Cowboys? It's just one of these things where it's like it, it's hard to get up for every game and yeah. you're 17 point favorites and everybody's just blowing all the smoke at you, how wonderful you are. And you're really better than the Cowboys and the Niners just you know, lost Garoppolo. This is Dallas's year to go to the Super Bowl. Maybe you just show up and play a little bit entitled and think, OK, you know, we should just win before the game is even played. And then you have to play it and you have to wake up a little bit. At least for fantasy purposes, I mean, both of the running backs get double-digit carries. They both yeah. got touchdowns. Dak Prescott's had he's kind of, kind of had a weird season. They've won so many games controlling on defense, controlling things on the ground, that he's always like quarterback eleven or quarterback thirteen when you grade everything out. You're winning nothing from Dak Prescott, but he's not really losing games for you either. He's having a lot of results like this one. Yeah, and and he's had some like ill-timed uh, interceptions or some even just bad luck interceptions too and I still think he's playing at a really high level but those those turnovers are obviously problematic and yeah, for the most part he's never really driving the ship. Um I think when you when you look at this game for Dallas a couple things like look, sometimes these games happen, okay? Like sometimes stuff just happens and like it doesn't it doesn't have to like say something about Dallas going forward. The one other thing I'll say man like the Texans were hitting in this game. Like every time I met, I was tuned into this game, somebody on the Texans defense was laying out a Cowboys player. Like Michael Gallup had a touchdown and just the, I can't remember which Texans defender it was, just came up and drilled him to the point that he lost control of the football in the end zone. CeeDee Lamb took a couple massive shots, like the running backs, massive shots. So clearly while the Texans are talent deficient and, you know, we always be like, oh, they'll be at the point where they're, they're looking forward to vacation. They're looking forward to the golf course, right? They, they were up for this game and ready to ready to make a statement. So um, I think that is probably a big part of why Dallas didn't have the game that we expected because the Texans just played well today. Let's be fair. They should have beaten Cleveland. Cleveland gets yeah, three return totally. touchdowns. You know, Watson was horrible in that game. I thought that might have emptied their emotional reservoir. Maybe they had that game circled. They wanted to win the, the revenge game against Watson. But, I mean, I don't know. Maybe they took some pride in the – the battle of Dallas. I mean, Houston and Dallas don't have really have a rivalry because the, the cities are far enough away and they're not in the same conference. This is a yeah. game that only happens every four years. They come to your city every eight years, you know, but I, I give them credit. At least they're still playing hard, but, but still you look at the chiefs next week and you're like, okay, the yeah. chiefs can't, can't, they name the score. Is it, doesn't Mahomes already have like 40 points on the board? Speaking of the Chiefs, let's move right into that game here. Uh, chiefs yeah. 34 Broncos, 28 Mahomes definitely like, little bit of like a playing with his food moment uh, you know at, at some points in this game like the they the Broncos gave him a little bit of fight on the offensive side but still the Chiefs were pretty much controlling this game but Mahomes still had three interceptions that were just like dude oh, come on man like let's let's not play around here too much we don't want and Russ to do his to his credit, before leaving the game with the, a really nasty-looking concussion, was playing very well. Three passing touchdowns. I mean, he took six sacks, to, had a turnover. I get that. But like, also ran for 57 yards eventually, um, becoming uh, the leading rusher and also uh, eventually getting knocked out of the game. Yeah. Um, this is more of a deep league comment, but I was disappointed to see Mike Boone get hurt too because they had yeah. a role for him. He had a couple of nice receptions, and I, I could have seen Mike Boone maybe <laughs> get into the top of this running back list and Marlon Mack Marlon, could have scored some Marlon Mack catches touchdown. a long touchdown. <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Bro. If, if, if you like hit like a single game parlay and you have like a Marlon Mack uh, leg, you share that with me. I want, uh, I want to just yeah. tell you you're basically my Lord and savior. You're, you're an awesome person. Uh, Pacheco <laughs> does the Pacheco, right? Th 13 for 70, no touchdown. He did catch three passes, but it's Jarek McKinnon of all people 
Matt, if I told you, okay, uh, Chiefs are going to come up with a seven for one twelve and two in the passing game. Who is it? Like, oh, of course it's Kelsey. Oh, okay. Well, Juju looks good in this spot. Juju actually <laughs> yeah, had a right. good game. Yeah, he did. He oh, did. was this like the uh, the MVS game of the year blow up? You know, you just keep going Sky Moore, maybe. You know, I, Justin Watson no. finally going to take the, all those routes he's running and put a production to it? No, it's right, it's right. Did they did they trade for Tyreek Hill and I missed it? Is he back on the team? No, it's Jarek McKinnon. Jarek, you know, I'm, I feel like he's 47 years old. What is he, 30, 31? I, yeah, so I don't even know. If he's, he's he's so young compared to what you think because he came. I think he came into the league young, and he's actually not. Yeah, he's 30 years old. He, he's he, 30, yeah. yeah he's, he's, Which is old for a running back. He, his, career, his career has had so many stops and starts. He's younger than me. I had him. I, I kept rostering him and dropping him and rostering him and dropping him last year. And I finally okay said okay I, I played that wrong I never got it right they never really liked him that much and then in the playoffs McKinnon was really important to them I'm curious how that's going to work out when people do like their playoff contests and stuff how right. they do things and somebody I forget who said this on Twitter somebody made a great comment on Pacheco a week ago it says he every one of his runs has incredible effort and just all this activity and he has these like runs it feels like he runs like 25 yards to gain three yards sometimes yeah sometimes yeah for sure. Um, it, yeah, he's a bit of a funny player, but I'll tell you what, man, you know, Pacheco probably right now is more important to the real life Chiefs than fantasy football because, you know, 13 carries for 70 yards, like you said, nothing to turn your nose up at and, and three catches. That's also nice to see from him. Uh, Chiefs beat writer Nate Taylor did say on Twitter, like the, the Chiefs just trust Jarrett McKinnon more. Uh, they, they He's the guy they trust the most, which I don't think is a negative thing on Pacheco. It just like shows that they really value what Jarrett McKinnon brings to them. Like Obviously, you're not expecting seven for 112 and two touches every week, but he brings something to them. But McKinnon, man... I've said this about the Chiefs uh, the last few years. Like they've really lacked a powerful, like run, like power dimension in their run game. Pacheco really brings him that. He's never going to be a great, great fantasy player as long as he has this role. But he's going to be great for the real life Chiefs. I think like to close games out. In fact, I think they probably got a. And this is definitely an Andy Reid thing. Andy Reid's one of the best coaches in the NFL, but getting a little too cute there sometimes. Like just hand that thing to Pacheco and let him grind. Like, even if they are the craziest looking three to five yard runs. Uh, he'll at least get you those three to five yards grinding this game out, man. Two more things I want to hit on. One, has Jalen Hurts passed Patrick Mahomes in the MVP conversation? Um, he, uh, he's, he's getting close. Like right now, I think it's a total coin flip, whereas like three weeks ago, I was like, oh, it's, it's going to be Mahomes going to moonwalk to this thing just because the narrative is so good with Hurts. I definitely think, and I said this to Dalton a couple weeks ago, that he's going to be the annoying quarterback that's so good that they have to give him offensive player of the year. If they don't if Mahomes wins MVP, which I feel like is unfair. It's just like that should go to a non quarterback. Cause like they're never going to, they're never going to win MVP. Like Justin Jefferson's never going to win MVP. Tyreek Hill's never going to win MVP. Hill, yep. Give him the offensive player of the year. But I think Hertz has been so good that now they'll have to give that to him. If they don't, if he doesn't win MVP. That it always bugs me. First of all, the fact that they have these two awards are a little bit kind of weird because the MVP is almost always an offensive player. But Alan Page and Lawrence Taylor are the two defensive players who have yeah. won it. A lot of people thought J.J. Watt should have won it. And I know Schwab's still kind of salty about that uh, the year J.J. Watt was in the running, and I think Rodgers won it that year. I don't remember off the top of my head. But okay, so if you're going to have the two awards, then just admit, okay, the MVP goes to the quarterback because obviously they're the most important player in sports, and I get it. And then let the offensive player of the year be the guy who goes ballistic at, an, at a non-quarterback position. That should kind of be what it is. I, th I think one year 
Peyton Manning might have won MVP, but Breeze won Offensive Player of the Year. That's just yeah, that's no, dumb. That's not right. That doesn't make sense. If, if Breeze was the Offensive Player of the Year, he was the MVP that year. And I think exactly. he should have been the MVP. He got his revenge in the Super Bowl when he when they won uh, the one. I still can't believe Drew Breeze went to one and only one Super Bowl. That just blows my mind. But they did win it. That, that, uh, that lasts forever. The, the Eagles are going to have the narrative that if, if they end up going, and this is another thing that plays into MVPs that bothers me, Jalen Hurts has a better chance to win MVP if he if they go sixteen and one than if they go like twelve and five or thirteen and four. And even if his level of play is exactly the same, that they'll say, "Oh, well, the, the Eagles won sixteen and one. Okay, that that's going to drive this MVP thing." I thought Mahomes had this award in his back pocket two or three weeks ago, and it would take an injury or something really unusual. But I mean, a messy game today. The Broncos' defense is good. It's not a sin to throw again playing with his food, right? They were ahead twenty-seven nothing. It feels like as soon as they got off the bus, I feel sorry for anybody who had the Kansas City ticket that got ripped up. But also, only the second time the Broncos, the Broncos under has been so good to me. This is the one pick I made this week on my five that didn't win, and this was obviously the wrong side. A ton of scoring here, but I think it's a it's a dead heat for MVP, and actually maybe even hurts his award to lose. The other thing I'll give you this to you: you're our receiver guy, Jerry Judy, man, oh, three touchdown yeah. game. What do you got? No. I'm not I I'm not going to chase that. Especially if uh, it's easy to say that especially cuz I think Russ is probably not going to play next week based on uh that hit. But yeah, no, I I'm not I'm not going to chase that. Uh three You not feeling Brett Rippin? Uh, no, I I am not I am not feeling Brett Rippin. Uh but yeah, man, I I I don't know. I'll need to see it a little more from Jerry Judy uh, before I think that he's going to gonna string some consistency together. But, you know, shout out to him. He was like pissed, you know, went was going crazy about like a, a interference call in this game, took his helmet off, like even bumped into an official at one point. And then he had three touchdowns after that. So, hey, if you're going to freak out like that and demand the ball, at least you're going to go do something with it afterwards. So shout out to him for that. We did. We were denied the Island game. You know, again, NBC ran from the, the Broncos, but. Merry Christmas, everybody. You do get the Rams and the Broncos on Christmas Day in glorious island football. So that, you know, who knows? It could be Brett Whit Rippin. It could be Baker Mayfield. Who yeah, knows? So Honestly, I, who knows who's going to be starting in that game, Scott? So the question is, do you open here. your Christmas presents on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day? That's one present you'll be opening on Christmas Day. Oh, God. That's and returning, how, returning on Boxing Day, yeah, you know, December 26th. I guess that's how, I guess that is how you know that we as a football um as a football watching community have made it onto Santa's naughty list uh, based on that, that the fact that we are not on the nice list to get that game on Christmas. All right. Uh, the bucks are about to be on my list of like, get the hell out of here already at this point, the 49ers 35 Buccaneers seven Brock Purdy BCB man looked real good. Kept waiting for him to make like one big mistake. Now he did throw a pick that got called back. So I guess that there is that, but he kept the ship afloat, man. And uh, Robert Mays from the Athletic pointed this out. Uh, this he's tweeted out a list of quarterbacks with at least 100 attempts since 2018, ranked by yards per attempt. Top 25. There are now four. <laughs> there are four Niners quarterbacks on here: Jimmy Garoppolo, Trey Lance, Nick Mullins, C.J. Beathard, of course, and Brock Purdy. Man, had a, just a, a really nice first start here against Tom Brady and the Bucks. Yeah, I mean, he didn't need to do a lot, but I thought he was poised. Um, you know, he was playing with a lead. They, they got ahead early. The, the game was a blowout at halftime. The Buccaneers looked woefully overmatched. On the other side of the ball, though, they had that long touchdown to Mike Evans, wiped out, which is kind of oh, Mike Evans' yeah. season in a nutshell. But Seriously. You know, Purdy, four-year starter, man. I mean, I, I, that means a lot to me, somebody who can walk onto a college campus and, and play right away and comes in poised, no sacks, no turnovers. Yeah, it's nice to play with a the lead. Uh, they got ahead early. The game was a blowout at halftime. But 
Kyle Shanahan's done this before. He's taken guys who ostensibly should be backups or third stringers and at least given them some mileage. And maybe Purdy ends up being that donut tire. I don't know that they really want to go 500 miles with him, but I wasn't surprised he played well. Um, Buccaneers defense maybe has you know, seen mm. better days. I, yeah. Hopefully the Debo ankle injury isn't so bad. As far as Tampa Bay goes, let me ask you this, Matt. If we changed the playoff rules and we said, okay, Matt Harmon, you know, remember I wanted the Lions in the playoffs, right? Matt Harmon gets to pick the playoff teams. He, he has to pick an NFC South representative. It doesn't matter what their record is, what their DVOA oh. is, what their stats are. <laughs> just who's the best team? What The playoffs will be best. And, and, and some people want to say, well, I just want to see Brady in the playoffs. And some people want to say, I want to see Brady in the playoffs and watch him get his you know, lunch handed to him. Yeah. Whatever. You're allowed to feel however you want. Who is Matt Harmon going to pick as the NFC South representative? Because I'm putting that responsibility on you. I'm not trying to see Brady in the playoffs simply because I don't want him to like I don't want him to beat like the Giants in the first week of the playoffs, like the commanders in the second week of the playoffs and then go into Seattle and win a game. You know what I mean? Like, I think he could actually end up like making a run to the Super Bowl because the NFC is so weird right now. So let me not have Brady there. Uh, But we've seen that story enough of that. Just I think for the comedy part of it. I think I'd like to see the Panthers, who we'll talk about next, just because it'd be so funny to have Sam Darnold host a playoff game. Also, wouldn't it be hilarious if in some way Sam Darnold and the Panthers are hosting the four or playing the 49ers at one point in the playoffs? Like they trade away Christian McCaffrey to try to go in the tank, and then they've just been damn good under Steve Wilkes. Um, which, by the way, shout out to Steve Wilkes again. We'll get to the game here in a second. But I, but my real answer would be tell me, let me see how Desmond Ritter looks next week. Because if Ritter can be like a competent quarterback, better than Marcus Mariota's been, I actually think the Falcons would be in, at least mildly interesting uh, if they have competent quarterback play. I'll get nothing out of this, but I would love it if Drake London spread his wings. He had a really good oh, game before yeah, the dude. bye, and Mariota wasn't playing well. So wouldn't it be great? We've had so many discussions about the rookie receivers, the slow-developing photo, if Drake London, who started well, and then I think mostly no fault of his own, but... Um, Look, I, I'm not here to knock Brady. Um, I think he's interesting to watch even when he doesn't play well just because he's Tom freaking Brady. But Panthers would be a fun playoff team. Yeah. Falcons would be a fun playoff team. I don't want to see the Saints either. I, the Saints oh, could God. cancel the didn't rest even of th- Didn't even think about them for a second. Didn't even think about I'm them. I'm so glad they had a bye week. I think they should just have a December bye and not That'd play again. I, I don't know if they'll allow that. Uh, Rashad White did take over the backfield today for whatever that's worth. So, I mean, he got 18 touches. Um, that's He's in the Brady circle of trust. He's in the... And by the way, Byron Byron Leftwich, you know, I, I try not to clap back about this stuff, but when coaches get criticized and they try to say, oh, this isn't fantasy football, like just spitting on, they don't understand that people who play fantasy, especially the people who really grind it, you know, um, people like you, people like Evan Silva, Adam Levitan, you know, uh, people like Rufus Peabody who bets on it and stuff. They understand what makes a team good and what makes a team not good. And I might argue I'd, I'd care more about what like Adam Levitan cares about the Buccaneers offense and maybe Byron Leftwich, man. Byron Leftwich's game plan stinks. Yeah, the whole team. Throw- it's, it's so poorly coached, man. I mean, t- Todd Bowles, like, he's been terrible this year. The Bucs coaching has been terrible this year. And I'm I'm never the one to like quote tweet and have something cute to say when a, when a coach says something about the fantasy football thing. So just take that part out of it. But like, I just think bottom line may have been a poorly coached team, poorly deployed team. And, you know, definitely, I I don't think Brady's dust. I don't think Brady's like completely washed or anything, but he's definitely a diminished player from last year. And now at this point, like there's a, he'd have to overcome a lot like on this team. And I don't think he's capable of overcoming it. 
Do you th- could you imagine a scenario? Do you think it's possible that Brady plays next year, but not for Tampa Bay? Yes, a hundred percent. I do. I think. Yeah, I think me you too. Can imagine that, and and he would still fact, upgrade. I, like to the far. point, I almost feel like that's the favorite right now. Yeah, I think he's I think gonna. So I think he wants to keep playing, and he's earned. He has enough. He's here's the thing too with Brady. I want to make this very clear. He did not play well today. The Niners' defense is fantastic. No, yeah. Brady's still been okay. This has not been a Russell Wilson story no, where he's like, oh my God, he, you know, he's been all right. He he needs a landing spot that has pieces in place. He can't overcome he, you know, some of those supporting casts he had in his early New England career. He couldn't live yeah. with that right now. But if he could pick his spot, there are spots that would work. And I don't know. I, I kind of hope he plays another seat. I mean, he can do whatever he wants. I mean, he wants yeah. to d- retire. It's up to him. But He's got that Fox job waiting for him, buddy. He's got that big-ass contract of Fox waiting for him. Right, right. So, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm still, I'm kind of glad Brady's around, even though today the the Niners defense just ate their lunch, and I don't think there's really much more to say about that. All right, let's talk the surging Carolina Panthers beat the Seahawks thirty to twenty four, and man, I mean the defense was good. The Seahawks running game has not been good. Uh, if you take out Geno Smith's scrambles, they were held to just two point three yards per carry. That was why, like all the talk this morning, like what do I do with the Seahawks running backs? Like do I put and don't play a Seahawks running back because they weren't good when Ken Walker was in was in the game. Why would they suddenly be a great rushing environment with freaking Travis Homer or Tony Jones? Like don't care about a Seahawks running back. It's still a joy to watch Metcalf and Lockett, but man, you know, just multi-interception game for Geno, his first since 2014. J.C. Horn had a couple of awesome ones, but you know, this Panthers team, Scott, they're just they're they're kind of good. They're kind of good. They are. They do play hard. The, the frustrating thing here is there wasn't a right answer in Seattle backfield, and, and you're right to mention Ken Walker. He, he had a really low success rate. He was living kind of on home runs. He's I still like Ken Walker as a player, but. Yeah. I think maybe his, and I'm probably guilty of this as much as anybody, I think maybe the impact of his play had been a little bit overstated. So the Seahawks' backfield had no right answer today. Unfortunately, neither did the Carolina passing yeah, game. Now, I, granted, granted, we only want one guy here. We're here for DJ Moore, right? I mean, you know, it's not like, oh, no, Ter- Terrace Marshall let me down. Oh, no, I needed Ian Thomas. No, no, no. But somehow <laughs> Sam Darnold threw 24 passes and targeted 10 guys. And DJ Moore only got three targets. Now, I get it. The, the Panthers raced out to a lead. They were in control of the game. They could kind of play the way they did. So they, they leaned on their running game. They they were fine. Uh, Foreman was involved. Chubba, Hubbard got a touchdown. Um, you know, got a bunch of touches. They, they played the way they should have played, the way the game flow allowed it. They did try to, to run the ball a couple times with DJ Moore. At least that's something. The plays didn't turn into anything. But I always felt like he could be a guy who should run for like 150 yards a year. But I need DJ Moore in a couple of teams. And I think it's more on game flow. Yeah, it is. But I mean, 34, 34 carries for Foreman and Hubbard. Like, and by the way, yeah. that is how Steve Wilkes wants to play ball. I, I don't yep. I don't know that Steve Wilkes is really gonna be like in contention for the head coaching job, but the players, the players love him. The players have responded to him in Carolina. That's all out there. And and but the one thing is for sure, he wants to run the piss out of the ball if he can. And when they have a lead like that, just like they did against Denver, right? I mean, they're gonna give the ball to the running backs over and over and over again. They have a fascinating schedule. They have the Steelers and Lions at home, and then they have to go at Tampa Bay and at New Orleans. But I mean, the first, the last time they played Tampa Bay, they kicked the snot out of them. And I think anybody could go to the the Saints. It used to be, oh no, New Orleans. You know, I don't want any part of that. This is not a good Saints team. I I, Carolina's they're live. They're you know they get a puncher's chance. I mean, it's it, it hurts that these two divisional games are on the road, but. I give them a chance to beat any. I think other than the really creme de la creme of the NFL, I, I'm never surprised when the Panthers beat anybody else. I mean, I'd, I'd, be, I'd be shocked if they beat somebody like Buffalo or Kansas City, 
Philadelphia, Dallas, that type of team. But I give them a really good chance to beat pretty much anybody else. And I probably didn't give them enough of a chance to beat Seattle today. I think I took Seattle against the spread and, you know, Carolina 30-24 final. But this felt like a game that was more lopsided than that. All right. We've saved the best for last. <laughs> a classic. No, <laughs> a classic. Let's skip this game. Nobody will complain. Let's just skip it. Look, J.K. Dobbins was good. Okay, there's there's your takeaway. Both quarterbacks got hurt. Nothing else to see. I mean, shoot, I'm I'm fine with that if you are, buddy. Um, look, J.K. Dobbins, that was good to see. I think I think the farther we get away from his injury, the better he'll look. So that was good to see. He might be a guy uh, that's in playing contention uh, the rest of the way. But yeah, man, I mean, the Ravens might have to roll out Anthony Brown next week. Third string quarterback, not great. And Deontay Johnson's going for the record of most targets without a touchdown. I don't know if he's already at it or not, or if he needs to get a few more. T- I think one or two is the. You never want to go full Jacoby Myers. And also, you know, I had the Ravens today as a pick, whatever. I mean, you know, whenever you need the backup quarterback to play and then the backup to the backup to play and you still win, you get to feel fortunate. But Ravens 16, Steelers 14, does it feel like the, that's the rock fight they always have? I, I know yeah. they've had some games that have been higher scoring, but every time th- these teams play, I feel like it's a close game. It's not a pretty game. It's a game that's like, oh, do I really want to rewatch that game? And this was as Ravensy and as Steelersy as this matchup gets. I, I'm so glad it wasn't a Sunday night game. No disrespect. Tomlin's a great coach. Harbaugh's a great coach. Both teams have all sorts of injuries. I get it. But uh, this was not a fun football game. And I don't think there's other. Uh, let me just say to this Dobbins, I. I'm just nervous that if I trust J- J.K. Dobbins for like five seconds, he's going to yeah. let me down. Yeah, I hear you. So let me let me just really quick look at Baltimore's schedule. They get um, – oh, the Browns is obviously a delight, the Falcons and the Steelers. So uh, the next two weeks look good. Um, where are we ranking J.K.? I know you love to rank things. Where are we ranking <laughs> J.K. Dobbins next week? Yeah, I think he'll be, what, like high teens, low 20s? That feels about right? A co- like a comfortable RB2. I can, yeah. I can sign off on that. Comfortable RB two, yeah, that's a good way of saying. I love, I love the descriptor words instead of the actual ranking. That's what I'm talking about, Scott. For uh, sure, for sure. All right, well, like I said, beautiful note to end it on there. What a, what a banger! It definitely felt like it was transported right out of like 2010. This Steelers Ravens game. So uh, was Joe Flacco uh, in the quarterback in this game? No, Joe Flacco got in the game for the Jets, and nobody needs to say Joe Flacco uh, play football at this point anymore. All right, nobody needs anything else from us. That's gonna do it from us. That's if you it. need if you need free fantasy advice, how about free fantasy baseball or hockey advice? I mean, my God, Scott, you do it all in addition to nailing your picks every single week. You can follow him, the great Scott Pianowski, on Twitter, at Scott underscore Pianowski. You can also follow me for none of those things, uh, at Matt Harmon underscore BYB. And while you're there, do yourself a favor and follow at Yahoo Fantasy as well. Andy Barons will be back tomorrow, as he always is, to help us wade through the waiver wires and recap Sunday Night Football. Happy at least 10th birthday to Charlie, my great dog sitting next to me right now. Shout out to you, Charlie. Appreciate you for being the best dog on planet Earth. Well, second, yeah, tied for first with Peach. All right, until tomorrow, we're out. Hey, wait, we can't be out. Hey, you can't mention your dog, and I have to mention my my, my dear Abby Bean is going to turn six months uh, on the December, of the December 15th. So, yeah, she is a love. I even gave her permission when I was uh, getting ready for this. I said, hey, if you want to bark on the podcast, go ahead. I'll mention you. But she did not bark. My my girlfriend did knock on the door with my my dinner is ready, but uh, the dog said nothing. In fact, Abby's probably eating my steak right now. But uh, shout out to <laughs> she Abby deserves being it. the uh, she deserves cutest it. cutest dog on speed. I don't I don't deserve it for calling the Broncos under man when they scored five thousand points. I didn't see Jerry Judy's three touchdown game coming. I didn't have Marlon Mack getting in the end zone. I apologize for that. We'll try harder next week. Uh, well, we can only try to be uh, the best for our dogs. That's for sure, Scott. Well, shout out to Abby, cute pup. 
Hopefully she's enjoying your steak while you've uh, while you've neglected it. Uh, I'm gonna go eat my dinner as well. All right, now that is officially gonna do it for us. We're out. Look around. You can find cars like these on Auto Trader, like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.